Um, hello. Um, <laughs> this is episode 21 of Vanessa on Films. Welcome back. Um, honestly, I kind of just want to get right into it because we finally got news about the strike. The strike is officially over. Um, I don't even know if I want to, like, talk about it a lot because I feel like I've been talking about it for so long. So, I guess just, like, to finally have the news that it's over there was an agreement and it's been signed and you know actors can start acting again and they can start talking about the films they've been in and they can start promoting them it is very exciting and I feel like it's just been a really long time coming and I'm glad that you know they finally got a deal that you know made them feel comfortable and they thought was for the most part I, I guess I think fair is a very loose term here, but they did believe the deal to be as fair as it could be. Um, I think there's always room for improvement when working with someone like Hollywood Studios and, you know, the people that control the movie that you're making, essentially, due to the fact that they hold the money. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think... I think I'm just glad that this strike is over and that the actors and the union were able to, like, stand their ground. I, I don't know. I, I think... I think it's really sad that the strike did have to go on for as long as it did. But I'm just glad that we're finally here and in this space where I can say that the strike is over. Um, I didn't even write a lot about it in my notes. I just think I, I think I wrote yeah I wrote down let's celebrate that because like honestly I, I wasn't planning on talking about it a lot um just because you've probably heard the news already and uh, I don't know I think there's really like nothing else to say besides saying that like the union worked really hard to get this fair deal and I'm just glad that things can start feeling I don't want to say back to normal because I, I think this is a little bit better than the usual um, just because of the deal that they've managed to, um, come up with and, and they've managed to fight for. So yeah, uh, I'm just really happy that it's over and things can start feeling a little bit more, um, not normal, but I guess celebrated in a sense, because for the past couple of months, you know, a lot of movies weren't like promo wasn't a thing. And so yeah, I think it's just nice that things are going to be a little bit more... There's going to be a light basically shining on these projects, which is really, really cool. And I'm happy that we are at this place again. Um, Yeah, I, I don't really know. I'm not going to really talk about anything else for like the opening quote-unquote like rant portion of the episode. But I do want to like move on to other news. Um, kind of connected to the strike still due to the strikes, um, both the writer strike and the actor strike that happened. This definitely affected the production of the show, but let's talk a little bit about Abbott Elementary season three. I think I've mentioned it previously on another episode, but yeah, season three, it's going to have less episodes than the previous season due to the fact that they kind of started a little bit later into the season, um, regarding production. So yeah, season three is confirmed to have only 14 episodes, which I don't know. I think I was expecting it to be a lot less. 14 is still less than 22, but uh, of course, but 
I think it's still nice that we have a good chunk of episodes. 14 is still more than most shows have nowadays, which is still crazy. But um, I'm glad that, you know, um, it's not too bad. Like, it is eight episodes less than what we would consider the usual, like, sitcom 22-episode form format. Um, but, you know, as long as we're getting something, and I'm sure for season four, it's going to get renewed for season four and... Well, yeah, we don't have to argue about that. Um, it's, I, I think it'll be a little bit more, um, yeah, it'll probably be back to the 22 episode format next season. Uh, so we'll just have to wait for that. But regardless, we're getting 14 episodes for this season. Let's move on to, I guess, some news about, well, it sort of is news, but I kind of also just really wanted to talk about it. Yeah, so I think... I think Jacob Elordi is really... I'm, like, kind of obsessed with his career. Um, he's, like, in... Okay, well, he was in Priscilla this year. The Sweeties, I don't think, is coming out this year. Well, it is, sort of, but it's also having, like, a wider release next year. And then Saltburn. So he's in, like, three really, like, cool original films. And, yeah, I don't know. Um, the reason I wanted to talk about him is because... Um, he's been doing a lot of, like, press recently, and obviously, because, of course, he has, like, a million movies out. But, yeah, like, he, he was talking about how, um, he was asked to basically read for the role of Superman, but he declined it. And, I don't know, I think he's just being really, really smart about his career, and I don't know, a lot of people, whenever he mentions how he hated the Kissing Booth movies or, like, doing them, um, <laughs> he, a lot of people, like, make, make fun of him or, like, those movies made you. It's like, well, yeah, but he's allowed to, like, hate something that he was in. <laughs> Not everyone has to be, like, obsessed with every single project that they've ever done. Like, a lot of people are going to be upset about the fact that they had to do them and, like, that kind of thing. Um, but anyways, I don't know. I think it's really cool. A lot of, like, really, like, cool auteurs are, like, lining up to work with him. Um, Sofia Coppola even, like, compared him to, you know, like, classic movie stars like Paul Newman and Montgomery Clift and, like, those kinds of, like, yeah, those, like, profound actors. And I think that's really cool for him to be getting those comparisons. And I really hope he continues working with Sofia Coppola. Um, I really love Priscilla. Priscilla is actually my second favorite movie of the year that I've seen so far. And, um, yeah, I, I just didn't expect to love it that much, but I really did. He, I don't know, he has a really, like, captivating presence when he's given, you know, something serious to do. Um, and when he's, like, actually in good projects, I think he is really, really great. Um, he's also going to be in O Canada, which is, like, a new Paul Schrader film. Uh, I think he's playing, like, the younger version of Richard Gere's character. And that movie is about um a yeah uh, uh sorry it's about a writer who yeah is kind of like on the brink of death and uh it follows like the life of this writer and he's playing again the younger version of the character and i don't know just like i i also heard like he might be like involved in luca guadagnino's like upcoming um series on hbo which again like knowing that all these people really want to work with him is very telling 
and uh, I'm just excited to see like what happens next with his career. And I wanted to mention like the fact that like he declined to read for Superman because I think that's really cool. And I think it's cool that like a young actor is like saying no to even like being in these kinds of franchise roles when they, I don't know, a lot of them often that's the way they start out. Um, but I think it's cool that he's not necessarily doing anything like that. Um, and yeah, I don't necessarily think that he thinks he's like bigger than them and stuff like that. I think he just really wants to be part of good projects that don't necessarily like time down for so many years. And again, he, he even says something in like this interview. He's like, it's not, it's not necessarily like pretentious to care about the work you're doing a lot of people call him pretentious for like whatever the actors that he cites or whatever the roles that he's taking and the fact that he again he hates the the kissing booth movies but it's like that's not pretentious that's just caring about the work you do right and so um yeah he was asked to read for the role of superman but declined and i really just wanted to like talk a little bit about his career because i think it's a really interesting career uh he's so young and he's worked with some really great people and um yeah i i think i think it's just really cool like seeing what he has done so far and i know that it's only going to get better from here let's move on to um some news about one of the best animated shows of all time actually like i think it's probably one of the best animated like shows or films of all time just like the one of the best pieces of animated media ever it's just so good i love it so much and this is coming from someone who has not played the game that it's based on at all i do not know anything about the game but i think that's what this show does really well i will get to name a show eventually but i think one of the reasons why it was critically acclaimed is that it was very it it, it did something in that both fans of the game that it's based on and those who have are just like completely unfamiliar with it were able to both like both of those groups of people were really able to like gravitate towards the show and love it and that's not necessarily something a lot of shows can do so we got confirmation that arcane is returning for season two this is going to be of course on netflix and it's going to be returning for season two in November of 2024. So it's coming up next year. It's been a little while since season one premiered, but then again, I think this show really is notorious for being will willy, really well-crafted to the point that it is, yeah, just like I I've heard that the animation style does take a really long time to create. It is a show that does take a lot of time to perfect which i'm fine with waiting a couple of years if it means we're gonna get something as good as season one um so anyways the show is produced by the french animation studio fortiche and it is under the supervision of riot games who of course created league of legends uh so this is their game league of legends is the game that arcane is based on and it's kind of set in that fictional universe of the game it focuses mostly on the characters of vi and jinx who are sisters and i really love the world building of the show because 
I don't know. I'm more of a movie person. I think one of the reasons why I don't necessarily gravitate towards TV shows is because it requires a lot of patience, sorry, uh, regarding um, world building. A lot of the times it takes too long to get to something, whereas films, it's it's like a nice story and uh, a nice complete story usually in one sitting, whereas television requires you to like wait a little bit longer for answers or world building. And that's not to say I'm I hate TV. I I love uh, television, but I again there is something about television that just sometimes the world building falls flat for me, or it doesn't necessarily set up the world nicely, and the character development often can sometimes change throughout seasons, and that's another reason why um, I'm I often gravitate towards film instead. With Arcane, it was just so well written and the character work and the world building were something that I just like immediately gravitated towards. And again, like I have no idea what, I don't even know what League of Legends is. Like I really don't understand it. I don't know what the game entails or how to play it. But Arcane, there was just like something so well done. Like I don't even want to call it atmosphere because I don't think that's the correct word to describe the show, but I really did feel like enveloped by the entire show while while I was watching it. And so if you're unfamiliar with um, the show itself, it kind of focuses on the conflict between the rich sort of utopian city of Piltover and the sort of underbelly or like the opposite of it, which... Yeah, it's called uh, Zon, and it shows how, I guess, the sisters kind of come into conflict because of the opposing sides they take uh, within the conflicts, and I, it, it, I don't know. I think there's a lot thematically to be said regarding the show, um, but yeah, it's just really cool to also look at how it approaches technology and there's of course there's like issues of like class that can be brought up when talking about the show and yeah it does a really good job at um the just like something of like the design of both like Piltover and Zon and I think I'm pronouncing those correctly but if not you get what I'm talking about um yeah it's just like the the complete distinction between the two settings is what's really impressive. Um, both, of course, like regarding the design, but also the writing and the sounds and just like, again, that like that split that is also taking place between the sisters as well is really interesting. But I'm really happy that we've got confirmation that it's coming back next year. It's, again, been a long time coming, but I think everyone is really, really excited about it. It's honestly probably one of the best things Netflix has ever dropped. I'm not really the biggest Netflix fan um, regarding their, their original stuff. But knowing that Riot Games is really, really involved in the creation of the show, I think that obviously says something. And... Um, you, I think you can definitely tell that, 
you know, there are people behind this that care about it and want to tell the story correctly. And again, it's just one of my favorite, honestly, like, I think it is one of my favorite shows. And I, I'm not even, like, just talking about animation here. Um, I, which is surprising, I'm not, like, usually the biggest animation fan. Um, but I think it's really, really cool that I, I, I did find myself enjoying this just from like a personal level and like again not enjoying animation as often as other people do or as yeah as often as other people do and again I think the 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 sister storyline is really great and I'm just excited to see that carry on I think the voice acting is really good it is like pretty they're like pretty well known like Hollywood people which again like I, I usually like when voice acting is done by people who actually know how to voice act, but they chose really, really, really great actors for this, um, so I can't necessarily complain about it on that, um, on that point. Yeah, um, like, so we all, like, Haley Steinfeld, Ella Purnell, just, like, really, really great people that they could choose for each of these specific characters that they play, um, I don't know. There's, I, I really don't have a lot that I can say about this show in a negative light. Uh, most of it is pretty positive. And so, yeah, I, again, I'm glad that the season is taking place or uh, at least dropping um, next year. I, it, it's going to be a lot of work for the animators. So shout out to them. And I hope that if you're unfamiliar, not I don't necessarily think you should play the game. Like, I don't, again, like, I don't know anything about it. But, like, I feel like if you want to watch a show, you definitely could. And you definitely should. There's probably me noise in the background. But anyways, um, we got a new poster for Ethan Cohen's upcoming film called Driveaway Dolls. This film was actually supposed to release this year. But due to the strike, etc., they decided to move it to next year so it's actually going to be in theaters february 23rd of 2024 so this is starring margaret qualley geraldine vishwanathan um beanie Feld feldstein i was like i was like looking at my screen i'm like did i miss a name but anyways i didn't uh coleman domingo pedro pascal bill camp and matt damon which that is such a great crop of actors and i mean like i'm sure anyone would be really really excited to work with someone like ethan cohen um, but anyways, so it follows uh, Margaret's character and Geraldine's character as they're just like two women who embark on an impromptu road trip and they go to Tallahassee, Florida. But along the way, they cross paths with a group of criminals. And um, yeah, so just kind of like a a road trip film, but also them dealing with the criminals along the way. And I'm really excited to see you know, the kind of comedy that Ethan Cohen brings to this film. Yeah, so it's actually um, written by Ethan Cohen and Trisha Cook. Trisha Cook is Ethan's wife. Um, she is also an editor. And so, yeah, um, she's also edited this film. And so them working together on this script is very, very interesting. And I'm, I don't know, I'm really excited again to see the the comedy that is shown throughout the film. Um, the runtime is like under an hour and a half, which I think is really great as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think there was a lot of, um, 
I, I think there was a lot of like hype around this film. I know on film Twitter, there's been a lot of hype. I'm very excited about it. And it sucks that it has been moved, but um, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Um, um, I, I think a February release is great for this film as well. And um, I'm very, very excited for it. Um, the poster is great and I love a good movie poster. So um, yeah, I, I'm, I, I don't know, like, I'm excited to see, like, what the girls get up to in, like, the film regarding crossing paths with the criminals. The history of this film was actually interesting in that they were actually developing it, like, in 2007. So some of the people attached to Star were, like, um, not the people that I've mentioned. Uh, so, for example, there was, like, Selma Blair, Holly Hunter, um, Christian Applegate, like, those kinds of people, and they actually, yeah, so Trisha and Ethan actually pitched the idea to the film, um, for the film, I should say, to their friend, um, who is director Allison Anders, um, yeah, so they actually pitched this, like, in the early 2000s to her, and then the film got announced in 2007, and then it's just kind of been, like, not happening, um, but, you know, it, it, it's made, it's going to be released in February of next year. So, I don't know, I'm very excited and I think we need to support it. We need to support original films and yeah, uh, just go see it. That's literally all I can say. We also got some new, I guess, casting news, but I don't even, I don't even like want to call it casting news just because this actor has worked with this director like six times. So every time a new movie gets announced by this director, I'm like, okay, so is his frequent collaborator also going to be in this as well? But anyways, um, we got confirmation that Denzel Washington is actually going to star in the new Antoine Fuqua film for Netflix. So unfortunately, it is a Netflix film. Um, I saw a lot of people like talking about how like, oh, it, they're so excited about it, about it and then they see that it's for Netflix and they're like, oh. Let me redo that because I think I got sidetracked. But anyway, uh, Denzel Washington, he's going to star in the new film by Antoine Fuqua for Netflix. I think this is their sixth collaboration. Um, but yeah, he's going to be starring as Hannibal. This is the man who attacked Rome atop of an elephant. And um, yeah, so I, I believe this is going to be like a historical epic type of film. I'm very iffy when it comes to that type of thing regarding it being on Netflix. So I don't think it's going to have to necessarily worry about making money at the box office. However, I think it's also very, like, sad that, um, yeah, I don't know that this film is going to be, like, on Netflix and people aren't necessarily going to, like, fully have the experience of seeing it on a big screen. I'm sure it'll have a limited theatrical release. That's usually what, what Netflix does. And since this is a film starring Denzel there's probably gonna be like awards buzz around it so again um it might have that limited theatrical release in order to like get those nominations but it's so annoying um that it is gonna be on netflix but anyways again yeah i think this is their sixth collaboration um i'm not necessarily familiar with like the history behind this event um i i've heard of it before but again unfamiliar with it but i think like it's cool that they're working again together. I do think it is slightly annoying um, when actors work with 
the same director over and over again because like i don't know i would switch it up like if i were in their shoes i would switch it up sorry i think i just moved my mic anyways um i i don't know um uh but i do i i'm i'm like intrigued by it and i'm interested in seeing how they're gonna like film something like this um but either way we got news about an upcoming Antoine Fuqua film starring Denzel Washington. If you're a real Renaissance Films head, you know that I've mentioned something about there being a The Office reboot. Well, it turns out that that's actually not happening, but that same creator that said it was happening has now confirmed that it is not happening. So it's not going to be a reboot of The Office, but it's going to be, they're going to be kind of like trying to create an, a series um, that's set in the same universe of The Office, which is annoying. Like, not everything needs to... The intertextuality is so annoying that's happening in the film and television industry right now. I don't even necessarily know if that's the correct term, but I I'm sure you wouldn't have to, like, watch The Office to know what was happening in this show if they eventually go through with it, but it's... I don't understand this idea of like shared universes and stuff like that. It's awful. Um, but yeah, the creator was basically talking about how like the reboot of The Office is not happening, but he's interested in kind of like creating a series that's set in that universe. And so it's going to be like just another documentary crew filming another workspace or yeah, a different group of people, which is like mockumentaries have always been a thing, which I'm actually talking about a mockumentary for my the ending of the 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 ending of the episode sorry <laughs> the ending of the episode which i actually didn't plan that i didn't think it through i just thought of a movie that i really really wanted to talk about and yeah i just realized they're kind of connected but anyways like mockumentaries have always been a thing you don't necessarily have to create a shared universe in order to create a mockumentary like abbott elementary's one of the biggest shows on television right now like it's not connected to anything else you can you can literally create a mockumentary if you want you don't have to say that it's connected to like the office universe but anyways i found that really annoying i think the only thing i wrote about that in my notes is stop it so two words because like i don't know there's again like now thinking about it you don't have to create a shared universe in order to create a mockumentary and like follow someone at a workspace like that already exists that has existed and I don't necessarily know why he would like frame it as this sort of like oh it's set in the same universe and it is really annoying I don't want to see like cameos from people from the office it's just <sighs> anyways let's move on to some news that I I don't even think it's like any better. There is definitely going to be some background noise in this episode, but you know what? I don't care. Um, <laughs> well, we got some confirmation regarding Barry Jenkins's upcoming The Lion King film. So it's titled Mufasa The Lion King. So essentially it's like the second quote unquote live action film, even though there's like really nothing live action about it. Um, but anyways, it's just, I guess, like the form of the form of the film, the format of the film, whatever you want to call it. But anyways, it's the second live action film <laughs> for The Lion King. It's actually been delayed 
to next year, 2024, December 20th. I think it was already coming out next year, but they're moving it to December 20th. So it's like kind of going to be releasing that holiday. Um, yeah, like the holiday time. What's interesting about like the first one directed, I think, by John Favreau was that it made like a billion dollars, but there's nothing memorable about it. It, everything was flat gray the facial expressions the voice acting like none of it worked but it still made a billion dollars and so obviously they were going to create no matter what they were going to create um a sequel for the film but i i don't know just like the fact that like barry jenkins who's created some really great beautiful films has had to turn to disney and direct a sequel to the live action lion king is crazy to me like that sentence did not feel real coming out of my mouth it just i don't know like the fact that like these auteurs these younger auteurs i should say have to turn to like ip and franchises and stuff is really odd to me um and i know a lot of it has to do with the fact that, like no one wants to fund movies anymore that are original and aren't necessarily tied to ip that's why i'm saying like produce your own films <laughs> but anyways it just i'm sure he i don't necessarily think that he didn't want to do it that's not that's not what i'm saying at all it's just it's weird to me to think of like where these younger auteurs have to yeah like where they have to turn to but anyways mufasa the lion king if you're excited for it i don't know what the hell to tell you but anyways it's been delayed to december 20th 2024 I'm looking at the recording time and this might be a shorter episode but who knows I might end up talking a little bit too much about this next film but um that was the end of the news portion I want to get into the part of the episode where I talk about a film or a tv show that I really love really hate something I could be indifferent about something that I want to like shout out some aspect of a film that I really really want to like you know talk about but um anyways let's get into it. I want to talk about Waiting for Guffman, which is one of my favorite comedies. Um, it is a 1996 mockumentary. Again, I was just talking about mockumentaries and I didn't realize that I was gonna, it was going to kind of connect to the ending. But yeah, it's a 1996 mockumentary film directed by Christopher Guest, who is honestly, I think, the king of mockumentaries. Um, no one has made a mockumentary better than him. It is written by Christopher Guest and Eugene Levy, starring of course, Christopher Guest, Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara, Fred Willard, and Parker Posey, amongst many other great actors. And I'll get to the plot eventually, but if you're unfamiliar with Christopher Guest films, a lot of, a lot of it, like most of his movies are improvised, um, which is really, really, I don't even, I don't even know how to explain it, but it's, it's it's interesting to think about it from an editing perspective like i think it's really hard regarding improvisation um from an editor's perspective because you're like oh are they finished oh no they're continuing so you have to like find the best ones to put into the film um that's also another thing you have to think of but again a lot of it is improvised and um I was I was thinking about that a lot when I wanted to like choose a film to talk about the kind of like how do you go about you know 
coming up with something obviously like i'm sure they've written they some of the actors like wrote some ideas down before they went to shoot it's just like i think it's really impressive that people can do improv like that and um yeah i i think it's also really hard from like a screenwriting perspective like how do you write the improvisation in there um i, I know there is a way to do that it's just i think it it's really impressive to just create a film like a mockumentary and give a lot of people artistic freedom so again the film is called waiting for guffman a lot of it is improvised the title is of course a reference to the play waiting for godot i think godot godot i don't i don't actually know how you pronounce the the name but um yeah that 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 play is just pretty much like two people talking um (laughs) but anyways Again, uh, it's set in the fictional American town of Blaine, Missouri. So anyways, um, yeah, a few of the residents are just preparing this community theater production. It's led by the director, Corky St. Clair, played by Christopher Guest. Um, The show is a musical that's going to look at and chronicle the history of the town. And the play is called red white and blaine and again it's going to be performed for the town as part of the town's 150th anniversary celebration and i guess the the yeah so that's like the main part of it they're creating a musical but quirky is also using his connections from his quote unquote off 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 broadway um past to invite someone named Mort Guffman and Mort Guffman is a Broadway producer and essentially what Quirky is saying is that if Guffman shows up and he sees Red, White, and Blaine he's kind of telling that the rest of the cast like hey if this is good enough a positive review from Guffman can mean that their show is gonna go all the way up to Broadway and yeah, so that's why it's called Waiting for Guffman. It's such an unserious movie. I love it so much, but I think it contains one of the funniest scenes I've ever seen in my life. And it's the Chinese restaurant scene. <laughs> Catherine O'Hare is like so good in that scene. Like I don't even want to like, I don't even want to like attempt to describe it. I really do think it is one of those movies that you just have to watch for yourself. Um... I think, I think there's like a scene where Parker Posey is like just cooking a single unseasoned chicken wing on the barbecue grill. It's just like little things within mockumentaries that make everything so incredibly hilarious. And yeah, so again, the Chinese restaurant scene is so great. Parker Posey's so good in the film, um, her like accent, and she works at DQ. Um, it's so funny and I just really suggest it if you are unfamiliar with the film. Um, I know mockumentaries aren't necessarily everyone's cup of tea. It does take a specific kind of, yeah, a specific kind of, um, sense of humor. I think, um, because I, I guess just because there isn't necessarily like a setup, sort of, it's not like someone's telling a joke it's supposed to be like these real people in this like real situation and so it's more about like people being funny than it is of um 
I don't know, I guess, the setup of a joke. And so it isn't necessarily like a quote-unquote traditional way of going about comedy in movies or TV. But mockumentaries are... I, I really like mockumentaries if they're done well. So again, like if you aren't a fan of mockumentaries, like this might not be your cup of tea, but I really suggest it and just check it out either way. So yeah, Waiting for Guffman, you should check that out. And I guess I'm, I'll just move on to the part of the episode where um I talk about a film that's in theaters. There's a couple of films in theaters that are interesting. So there's the Hunger Games prequel, which I... I don't I don't really have anything else to say about it except for that it's in theaters and I'm probably gonna end up going to watch it either way but I actually wanted to, to talk about a film that kind of has like pretty mixed reviews and I don't know why I gravitated towards talking about this film but anyways um here goes nothing uh Taika Waititi's newest film Next Goal Wins is officially in theaters this weekend so it's having its wide release so this film is focusing on basically like the 2014 World Cup qualifiers and um, there is a soccer coach named Thomas Ronken. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I'm not even sure. Um, he has to take a job being the coach of the American Samoa soccer team. So I think they're considered one of the worst um, soccer teams in the world, at least like on an international stage. So he has to essentially get them to qualify for the World Cup. And he's brought in to make them winners. And um, yeah, it's based, it's based on a true story. And um, the film stars Michael Fassbender, Oscar Knightley, Kaimana, David Fane, and the legend Rachel House, amongst many other people. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't know. I, I know that it has a lot of mixed reviews. I've heard a lot of people say it's really unfunny. It's just straight up bad. And I think the reason I wanted to mention it is because I really love a lot of like Taika stuff, um, specifically what we do in the shadows. And I don't know, I think he is a really hit or miss director for a lot of people, but I feel like recently it's just been really bad for him. <laughs> Um, I don't know. It feels weird to, to like, talk about uh, someone's, like, work in this capacity. But anyways, Next Goal Wins is in theaters, um, this weekend. And if you're interested in it, you should check it out. Maybe I'll watch it. I'm not exactly sure. But I really do hope, uh, Taika can pick it up soon. And, uh, we can get back that kind of, like, comedy that I fell in love with, with something like What We Do in the Shadows or boy or um what else uh, hum for the wilder people like that kind of thing and you know like i think it would be really great for him to like go back to like that kind of um like the indie film route with that type of comedy and yeah um if this film is interesting to you i'm not gonna stop you go ahead but there's like a lot of great things in theaters um the Holdovers, I think, was released last weekend or two weekends ago, but apparently it's been doing really, like, pretty well at the box office, and I've heard really great things about it, and I've heard that it's becoming quickly a new holiday classic for a lot of people, um, but I'm excited for that film as well. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm, I'm probably gonna go just because I've heard really good things about it, and of course, that's not necessarily gonna, like, 
um, influence my perspective of the film, but I think hearing that good those good things about it is really like drawing me towards it. And so yeah, there's a bunch of things in theaters. Check whatever you want out. Um, support smaller films. And uh, yeah, uh, I don't really know what to title this episode. Hmm. Let me think. I'm gonna call it episode twenty-one. Yeah. 20... Yeah. Episode 21. Should I? I don't know. I'm thinking. Wait, no. I'm just gonna call it Red, White, and Blaine. <laughs> Anyways. Um, bye.